Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Kern-Amos. And this week, our guest is Drew Davenport, a podcast man of legend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's fair to say. Podcast cryptid. I feel like that could be a good... Yeah, yeah. I think that's one. also, also a poss- possibility there. <laughs> and I don't know if I had an idea what topic he was going to bring and he did have some trouble choosing which is very understandable and a problem that most of the guests do have so i'm not Mm -hmm. throwing him under the bus by saying that Mm -mm. but i i of the things that i thought he might choose tom waits was not on that list and that is where we landed (laughs) it's interesting being having a a guest bring a topic that like Mm -hmm. you know nothing about but like everyone i think can kind of relate to or a lot of people can relate to having a band or a musician that like hits you in that really formative moment in your life and like Mm -hmm. never really leaves you and like even if i think you're not familiar with like his type of music because i clearly wasn't like that's that's a sensation i know you have to you have to land right in like the tom waits window to uh, fully understand tom waits (laughs) right yeah your i think your experience is a little more more varied than mine which is like i think i could i could probably identify a tom waits song if i had to and i think one time Mm -hmm. i watched a documentary about a different person and tom waits was in it for some reason (laughs) i think he he kind of culturally that is sort of tom waits's role Mm -hmm. that that he's just there when you don't expect him which is like kind of honestly a delightful responsibility to have (laughs) right you know oh tom waits is in this vampire movie oh tom waits is in this documentary about folk music (laughs) yeah Yeah, Um, yeah. i think that's a that's a fun way to kind of experience your your cultural influence uh that it's not something that, that becomes overwhelming for you maybe but you still have that kind Kind of respect, I guess, maybe is is the right way to put it. Uh, respect for who you are as, as a creator and an artist, and and then once you have that, you know, he's he's gone the route of I'm just gonna get as weird as I want, and I have mm-hmm. I have a deep respect for that. <laughs> I was gonna say, may we all aspire to that? Yeah, exactly. But with that, we'll let the weirdness of the conversation speak for itself, and let's just go to that. So all we need you to do is we're just going to start into the conversation. So if you can just introduce yourself and anything you want to say about who you are, what you do, what you like, and then um, just uh, tell us what your topic is. Hi, I'm Drew Davenport. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at the underscore Davenporter, which is not the transporter reference, um, which someone <laughs> pointed out to me years ago and I've had to deal with forever now. I'm also one of the hosts on Rules and Rolls podcast, where we do one-shot RPGs and indie games. And today we'll be talking about Tom Waits. I'm so excited about this because I know, I feel like, I was I was telling Anne earlier, I feel like if I heard a Tom Waits song, I would be like, yeah, that, I know that, but like, <laughs> like hard pressed, I couldn't name anything so i'm excited to like <laughs> learn about, about an artist i know nothing about i'm a real big fan uh <laughs> someone once was talking about him to me and, and they're like and I, it really st- uh stuck with me that they're like i'm one of the fans where if he came in the room i'd have to hide my face <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like oh maybe i'm not sure uh maybe i might want a handshake but i'd probably be too afraid <laughs> <laughs> So I think the best place to start is probably how did you get into Tom Waits? So let's talk about my uh, musical tastes before Tom Waits. (laughs) So when I was like 
in high school, maybe not yeah, freshman year, probably. I had never bought a CD before that because I didn't really like music that much. I mean, I listened to it on the radio, but I never really cared to get into something. And I'm like starting to watch TRL. I need to like, yeah, I'm going to go buy some really cool CDs. And <laughs> so I went and bought uh, a Kid Rock CD, um, a, Lim- <laughs> a Limp Biscuit CD, and a Corn CD. And I was like, this is who... This is what I'm going to be listening to forever. Uh, and then I just like, hmm, a couple months later, stopped listening to music altogether again. <laughs> <laughs> made some bad choices. Uh, and then it was literally after, like, that, I might have done that in middle school even. Uh, and it was after high school. A friend of mine, basically, I didn't have a car at the time. And so we'd always ride in his car and he'd always pick the music. And he had one of those giant CD books. And I would just go through and be like, hey, what's this? And he's like, oh, you like this. Put this on. Or I picked out, what's this? Tom Waits. Like, oh, you like Tom Waits. And like... That was it. I list, We listened to the whole album on like a road trip, and I'm like, oh, that's it. I need to go buy another CD. I don't need to buy my fourth CD in my life. <laughs> and I went out and bought, um, actually, uh, you hear some fun Foley. I have my CD book here. Oh, what's all this? <laughs> and I went out and bought uh, his second album, which is, uh, yeah, The Heart of Saturday Night. And oh my God. And the album I first listened to was from his more experimental stuff in like um, probably like the 80s and uh, late 70s. And then the album I got is just like straight up kind of like jazzy lounge. It's hard to kind of folky style, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man, this is really good. This is way different than his other stuff. And that's, I just. That was it. Honestly, I started just buying up CDs. And, like, I even have a tape of his for a Heart Attack and Vine album. I have it on tape. I don't have a tape player anymore. I need to get that on CD. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) So Kid Rock almost killed your love for music. Oh, my God, yes. In the before... Well, uh, before Tom Waits, I guess, would be BTW. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. He rekindled your love for music. Yeah. Any interest in any music, you might know I like podcasts. listeners (laughs) listeners <laughs> and uh like it was it would have just been that or even mm-hmm. maybe not that i don't know but yeah i love his stuff and i bought all the, i have all of his albums and i have like memorabilia now Ugh, i'm such a horrible fan <laughs> i didn't even know that there was tom waits memorabilia to be honest well it's just like posters my brother for a birthday gift got me an album that is the like the radio station version of one of his albums that's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. not to be sold only given to radio stations so i have that framed up actually in my little recording studio <laughs> so yeah stuff like that i think there is i'm not a hundred percent sure but i think because he's been in a lot of movies as well i believe there's even some action figures out there if i look hard enough really i think so he was in francis ford coppola's bram stoker's dracula as he's renfield in that and i'm pretty sure there's like a uh, someone made a doll like a mcfarland doll out of uh his character i think so i get that shit <laughs> now are you are you like just a fan of like his music or are you like a fan of him as like a person and like so you are like super into like all the like acting stuff he's done too oh yeah i'm a fan of him as as, as a person i like his music i like his weird weird spoken word i have a, a cd just full of radio interviews with him yeah i like pretty much the whole thing the whole the whole package of tom Waits. the whole yeah i've read his i read a biography on him i barely ever really read anymore so yeah but yeah uh his movie work is 
pretty fun too. It's it's always fun roles. He was in Mystery Men. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. one. He plays yeah he plays the the scientist who who uh, lives at the abandoned carnival in the desert, which is so him. It's like yeah. <laughs> the role was written for him, and he makes non lethal <laughs> weaponry. Uh, he played the devil in the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, which was pretty dang good. Yeah, he's yeah, Renfield in that. He was in uh what he's in the Outsiders, I think, as like a non credited role. Uh, he's in Paradise Alley. There's a lot. Oh, he uh I don't I haven't seen this one because I haven't really tried to look it up too much. But he da- actually played against uh Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep in a movie called Ironweed or Ironwood. It's about homeless people. One thing I've always like. Okay, first he shows up in things that I don't even like know he's in. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Watching seven was it seven psychopaths in the theaters. I'm like, I know that guy. It's him. <laughs> a little bit back to the music. One of my favorite things about it is like it is such a it started off in like this really jazzy folk style and then it went like he did an album called swordfish trombones which is a reference to a captain beefheart uh song and it went way different like it was like oh let's do some jazz folk oh, a little bit of weirdness a little bit of coolness and it was like experimental for the time especially and then after that he did um rain dogs which i think is probably his most famous and probably the better album of the two but swordfish trombones was first and rain dogs is phenomenal i wish i could play it in its entirety right now (laughs) i do have to say swordfish trombone is like the best album name i've ever heard in my life he's got some good ones yeah he's got some pretty good ones when it comes to let me see what do we got here he's got rain dogs uh bad as me which is his latest one i love the title he does a lot of stuff but he also did like i think three musicals as well with Hmm. um i did not know that he did he did one called blood money and i believe william s burroughs is involved with that one or no that no no blood money is just he did the music for that and he did the music for another one called um alice which is about lewis carroll's like obsession with the real girl who was alice so it's super dark and creepy and like full of german like screaming And then uh, he did a play with Burroughs called The Black Rider, which is a fun little play. And I, I haven't, I've only been able to see stills and like small clips of videos because it's in, believe it's in German. It's about a hunter who uh, like makes a deal with his de- with the devil that his bullets will always hit their mark, even if he's not sure what he wants to shoot at the time. So it's a weird little like monkey's paw kind of uh, play. So I've been trying to find that. But yeah, I just love his stuff. And no, it went from like super experimental or not super experimental from like kind of like oh there's like hey this song is just like him yelling over a uh, uh an accordion playing and it's like <laughs> then it went way off with like albums called like bone machine and stuff like that and like that is where he started inventing his own instruments and his most famous one is the strata dumpster which is a dumpster that he cut holes in and then placed piano wire throughout the in- interior of it and tries to play any kind of noise out of it so yeah i'm a i'm a pretty big fan <laughs> real weights head i'm a real weights head yeah the, uh, i wish i had the thing i have a, a cd called tom waits's jukebox which is just music that inspired him and that is fucking phenomenal stuff i don't am i allowed to curse you are <laughs> yes you are. it is fucking phenomenal folks <laughs> It's a lot of uh, Ray Charles and Big Mama Thornton, and there's another guy who did, like, the whole 
I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but he did the thing where he made his own instruments and he made like, he put a bunch of Coke bottles in on uh, broomstick handles and put them on a giant gear. And then huh. like when they pass through this little like, I don't know, hitting thing, it would make a like, and he did a whole album of that kind of music. And they're like his inspirations. That and Bob Dylan, yeah. I, I have to admit, Bob Dylan is a big inspiration for him. No, I'm not a big Dylan fan. <laughs> I do want to ask, because I feel like... I, I feel like this is, like, the narrative you hear all the time whenever, like, an artist gets very experimental. Like, oh, you're like, oh, I only like the earlier stuff. You clearly, obviously, have a love for, like, the whole spectrum of his work. But is your relationship with the music different depending on, like, how experimental it got? Yeah. Well, well sort of, like, it's like a mood thing. His early stuff is kind of, like, depressing a little bit. It's more, like, Heart of Saturday Night is a whole story through the album about the first song is um, called, like, you wear a dress and I'll wear a tie and we'll go out and have a lot of fun, blah, 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 blah. And throughout the story of the album, it gets so depressing. And then, like, it lifts up at the end. But, like, the one of the songs on there is called Please Call Me Baby. And it's about, like, your girlfriend running out into the rain after you had a fight. And it's just him lamenting, like, I can't call you so please call me and just sitting by the phone and so it's the early stuff is like that like um martha is an early song on his first album which is about like an old man getting a phone call from an uh, ex-lover that they both know they're too old to do anything about their feelings anymore it's like jesus mm. christ <laughs> <laughs> and then like on uh rain dogs i th- or yeah rain dogs there's a song about uh, about a guy listing off all his family members and what they do and it's like uncle vernon uncle vernon independent as a hog on ice runs a tight little bookie shop plays a accordion for mr weiss and it's just goes through his whole family and uh there's like what is it uncle bilbo made a million during world war ii now uh we must find out where the money is get it now before they lose their mind or something like that (laughs) and it's just goes through the whole family and then there's songs about fall out of the window with confetti in my hair and then when he does it live he tells a story about how a guy fell out of a third story window but he was saved by a little confetti in his hair and then like you get to stuff like where's the uh, there's one that people don't like. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> the title of it. But basically, he has. it's always been piano music from him. He plays the piano and the guitar. Okay. And one of his later ones, uh, I know Hoist the Flag is on that album, but uh, he doesn't play the piano at all in it. And people are like, well, it's a, good, it's a pretty fun album, but I don't have any piano music, Tom. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like, it's weird. Like, lately, his stuff is kind of... Like, his last couple albums are kind of going a little bit farther back. Like, Mule Variations and As Bad As Me have a, have a more of, like, a, his early 90s, 80s, or 80s kind of style of, like, experimental, but also hear some folk. Because I know that's mm-hmm. what you like. It's like he kind of now is late in life um, kind of putting it all together. Yeah, sort of mm-hmm. evening out the, the spectrum of, of emotions <laughs> and of music. Yes. <laughs> yeah, although, I mean, would it be fair to say that if you're into Tom Waits that you kind of have to have some tolerance for for some weirdness because i mean I, he's his music is quite weird i mean maybe it's just sort of the stuff that i've been exposed to but he's not he's not an easily pigeonholeable mainstream artist i would say yeah uh you've got to be really prepared for like the weirdness uh like it'll go like beautiful melody terribly sad song and oh we haven't even talked about his voice which yeah. is very distinct <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> 
it's all up here and uh that didn't if you listen to like his first album and especially he has a couple albums that were released that uh against his wishes called Mm. the early years which are basically just demos of when he was starting out he doesn't sound like that uh he sounds he's he's down here you know that kind of stuff but then throughout the years it has gotten raspier and raspier and raspier (laughs) So he's, he's a, if you're not, like, I like really weird sounding singers. It's like a thing. Like if you pitch up and like, even if you sing in falsetto, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. So you got to kind of be prepared for that. And even in his stuff where he's like, you know, it's nice kind of folksy music. The next song will just be like, bum, 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 <laughs> the whole time. Um, yeah. So you just, yeah, you have to really, you have to be open to the idea of, you're, if you've listened, if you're listening to album for the first time, you're going to hear stuff that you've never heard before. Yeah, I mean, maybe my experience is a little bit colored that the first Tom Waits song that I ever heard was "The Piano Has Been Drinking." Um, oh yeah, when I was quite young. So, and I don't know, it must have been on some sort of mix CD or something that my parents had. I don't know that it, if it was a full album or not, but I was very interested in that song. Like, I really liked that song. I don't know why, <laughs> as a child, strange. It's song. a very, very popular one, and one of his. It's very fun. It's a very yeah. fun song. One of his most popular, I guess. I haven't. I, it's a good song, but it was used a lot when it came out. It's called uh, "Step Right Up," where he just lists off like to a really fast beat slogans. So it's like "Step Right Up," "Step Right Up." Uh, this does uh, never needs winding. Uh, uh, two for a dollar, two for a dollar, just over and over again. And I guess that went pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> one uh, one thing I want to talk about is one of my favorite of his albums because of how strange it is so when you go to a tom waits show or you see him in a club in the old days he does a lot of audience interaction and when his first two albums came out they didn't sell too well but the producers his producers knew like they don't sell too well but you get him on a club he kills every night it's a very live like you want to see him live so for their third i think third third or fourth it's called nighthawks at the diner and it is recorded in a recording studio but they rolled in tables and made it into a cocktail lounge and invited <laughs> people off the street to come and listen oh wild that's incredible yeah so you you still get that kind of it's not a live show so you don't have that that live show sound because it's in a recording studio it's great acoustics but you still get him like vamping with the audience and it's really cool and i suggest people check that one out nighthawks at the diner is real fun and definitely check out rain dogs and swordfish trombones (laughs) (laughs) well and that's so interesting because like there's such a big uh i hate to use the word discourse but there's such a large like fraction of like the population where it's like i'll never listen to a live album ever like an artist sounds completely different live than how they do in the recording studio and in a beautifully mastered track but like that is literally just smashing those two things together and being like yeah. like that's that is so cool <laughs> it's i love that whole idea and i'm surprised i haven't heard more people like do that right yeah. right that's what i was about to say is like why haven't like that's like the best of both worlds in a lot of scenarios mm-hmm. but again i guess you really need to have an artist that has a stage presence you know mm-hmm. yeah have you seen him him live no 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 um let's, yeah let's talk about that because uh so i live in ventura California. I live in Ventura County. And he did for a long time, uh, which I didn't know until he had gone away. So he lived in Ojai for a long time. And uh, I'd go to this local record store, Salzer's, to buy my stuff. Salzer's record and video. And one time I was buying one and he's like, oh, guy behind the counter's like, oh, I love this guy. Yeah, I used to live in Ojai. I always run into him. I'm like, what? What? 
<laughs> Come on. And then another fun one was he did like an album with the Dalai Lama. Like, uh-huh. I'd say sure? 10 minutes from my house, he did a performance what? with the Dalai Lama. <laughs> and I didn't know about this until afterwards. And I saw it in the newspaper. Oh, I'm like, no. oh, no. So, and then he's he's up there in age, right? He's in his 70s, I think. And his last performance, his last tour was literally from like just east of the Mississippi in the southern states. And I'm like, that's so far away. I can't fly out to Georgia to watch him, but I should, but I didn't. And hopefully he he does some other stuff because I would like to see him once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tom Waits, if you're listening, if you could sign up for Cameo and start offering that as a oh, service. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, just send them all to me. Everyone quick. <laughs> now, are you, are you like a purist about that live experience that you want to have, though? Like, have you, like, I'm sure boots exist of shows. Like, have you ever delved into anything like that? Or are you like, no, I, I want to have the, like, the live experience for myself first? That's kind of it with that because he did a lot of live performances on television shows. Mm, okay. Like he was on uh, The Tube in England. He did a performance of, I believe, no, no, he did In the Neighborhood, which is another fucking banger of a song. And he did, there used to be a show called, I believe it's called uh, Fernwood Tonight, which is a comedy, I believe it's uh, called it's, uh, with a Fred Willard and Martin Mull. And it was a comedy Oh, yeah. Tonight Show. Yeah. And there's a really good interview with Tom Waits on there. And he does also a live performance of The Piano Has Been Drinking. And to play to Tom's kind of... He likes to play around in interviews a lot by lying. He lies, (laughs) like, nonstop about his past. (laughs) Uh, There's there's a lyric in the song. I'll tell you all my secrets, but I lie about my past. And it's very true. He always talks about, like... Oh yeah, me and the missus, and this is before he's married. We have to put, we had to give the give the kid up at the diner because we ran out of money <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he was on Letterman a lot, and nobody else, I think, but like Letterman, he used to go on a lot and be like, "Oh yeah, my mother was a was a, st- a stock car welder, and my father was an exhaust manifold, and stuff like that." <laughs> but yeah, he kills it whenever, like in interviews, he's he's a lot of fun because he lies like nonstop about the stuff he's doing. Sort of more of a performance performance artists right yeah in the fernwood tonight thing uh it's it's implied you know that he's super fucking wasted he comes out i believe with a bottle of Bushmills and sets it on the table <laughs> and all the hosts are looking at it and uh then he goes off and sings the piano has been drinking which like that's a famous song his let's talk about it for a second i read the uh, biography of him he talks about it he's like it's the nightmare of a performer so every night i go out and i think it's going to be fine but i'm always thinking in the back of my head the piano is going to light on fire the curtains are going to fall the stool's gonna break and the stage is gonna collapse Gosh. <laughs> and that's his yeah and so the song is like funny it's also about him like trying to like get the crowd's attention can you like pay attention to me while i'm playing i know you're all busy you know my necktie's asleep the the fucking jukebox is snoring that kind of thing and so in the show like they keep cutting away to the hosts like fred willard and martin mull and they're just like hoo, 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 what's he doing <laughs> and I, I heard somebody remark like this is a deep sad song and they're just goofing on it <laughs> but I'll, yeah i love the guy i love the movies Ugh, i'd watch anything with him in it i'm familiar that he's done like spoken word stuff so like have you do you have any experience with that or um yeah well what he does he doesn't really let like he doesn't put out spoken word albums but maybe six or seven songs in usually he'll do a spoken word he did this like 
I, it might be an old folk song called like Down Balance Me. And it's to this really like tinny piano, high pitched thing. And it's a tale about a sister killing her sisters to try to get a husband. Good God. And like, it is a fucking terrible song. <laughs> But it's like, he sings it up here, and he's like, uh, There was a young two ladies that walked by the sea, down balance me, and she threw her over again, down balance me. There's that. Oh, he's done a lot of um, guest spots on weird albums. Like, he did a, like, the Ramones covered one of his songs. They covered I Don't Want to Grow Up. That's one of his. So he covered um, one of theirs. And all of that stuff eventually made it into its own collection called Bastards, uh, Ballers, and Brawlers. And there is some phenomenal stuff in that because it's weird as hell. Like it goes like Bastards is all of his like kind of rock and roll fighting songs almost. (laughs) Or that's Brawlers. And then Ballers is just sad music. Like you're going to cry to this stuff. And then Bastards is weird as fuck. Like there's um, (laughs) there's a song where he's just reading about bugs. To like this like sound in the background. And it's like the bombardier beetle expels blood from its eyes and exploding pop. <laughs> and one of his fun ones is he covers um, Hi-Ho from Snow White. Mm-hmm. And that was in some weird experimental Disney mix of like folk and weirdness. I, I don't know what it's originally from, but I know that it's him like Hi-Ho, Hi-Ho, off to work we go. <laughs> But then he adds his own. It's like, in the mine, in a mine where a million diamonds shine. And all that goodness. But it's if if you want to hear, like, if you want a nice sampler of his spoken word and his more experimental stuff that he's done for other people, especially, it would be that album. That album, because it's all, like, one-shots from different albums, it doesn't, the flow might not be quite as well as one of his regular ones, but um, it gives you a nice sample of what he's been doing lately, especially in the last, like, ten years. I'm at a loss for words because it just sounds like this guy has done everything (laughs) and just continues to be like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, He always talks about having, he's like, I don't have a lot of fans, but I have a lot, like, but my fans I do have. They have every one of my CDs and they've seen all my movies. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the quality of a fan base over the quantity, I guess. Yeah, that's true. He After he got married, I don't know when, to Kathleen Brennan, his his wife, who's, I think she was his producer for a while before that but now like they work together on everything pretty much like if you look at the song whatever the credits on an album it's written by both of them which is really lovely and he's brought his son in as well as i think his son currently is his drummer in his uh in his little band so i don't know if the band is still called this but it used to be called uh tom waits and the nocturnal emissions uh that's so cool <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> yeah. that rules that was his official band name but it never should i don't think it was ever like never told that way like you never it was never on an album it never said that sure oh. but yeah, he's worked with a lot of people he did a there was a p after i think it was actually after blue velvet came out pbs did a roy orbertson like retrospective and uh he was on there with a bunch of folk idols and stuff and he's done a lot of like i don't know it just shows up a lot <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's like a he's in he's in a weird and fortunate position, it seems like, in the music industry of being successful enough that he can kind of do what he wants and that he has the respect of a lot of other people in music. But he's not so famous and well-known and mainstream that there's a lot of pressure on him for, you know, what kind of music he's supposed to be making or how. Like, I mean, he really seems to be able to do whatever he wants, pretty much. Yeah, it's this kind of the thing is like everyone um, respects him in the music industry, but even though he doesn't sell like... Like a ton ton of records uh so he's given like a long like leash like you know what you're gonna get into when you're producing a tom waits album <laughs> mm-hmm. um he started off with i think i think it was electra and then he moved to island and now he's on anti so he's moved along uh, a lot and w- one fun thing about that is every time he moves to another producer the former one so far has always put out a best of which is pretty damn good <laughs> There's Tom Waits, the Electra years, and there's Tom Waits, the Island years. And so you can really, you know, if you just want to, like, have a, like, a pretty good best of, you can do that. Oh, he also made a movie uh, by himself, <laughs> which was, like, a live performances of his songs called Big Time. And it's it's interesting. I It's actually kind of hard to uh, trace down, so I've only seen bits and pieces of it cut up. But uh, it's, like, it's almost like music videos put together. He's had some music videos. They're all pretty good. They're all pretty weird as hell, I should say. For I Don't Want to Grow Up, it's literally him underneath a table at, like, a diner where there's, like, legs around him, I think. And he's playing a ukulele while he's just singing the song. Just, like, huddled under a diner table. Uh, one of his ones... I believe it's for Downtown Train, uh, is completely shot in rotoscope. And it was one of the first ones to like do that. First examples of it. So that's pretty cool. And uh, he did a lot of movies with... Uh, hold on, let me look it up real quick. Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought he was associated with him. Mm-hmm. He did like Down by Law and Night on Earth. He did the whole album for Night on Earth. And he did... Uh, what's the other one? Oh, God. I'm a bad fan. Don't, don't let anyone hear this. <laughs> But no, he did a bunch of them, and um, oh, he did. Uh, yeah, he did. He's in Dead, uh, the Dead Don't Die. That just came out. He was in Buster Scruggs. That's not this, but uh, he was in that one. He was in a lot of stuff. He, oh, he was great in Coffee and Cigarettes. Have you ever seen that one? I have not seen that. It's just different little conversations over coffee and cigarettes and his is uh with him and iggy pop if you want to see some uh, acting skills tom waits is such an asshole in that movie <laughs> like it's supposed to be really him and him and literally like it's he's not playing a character but a characterized version of himself and iggy pop's like trying to like hang out with him and like oh i'm just a, a real big fan and, and you know i got this drummer i think you might like he's like oh yeah you think i need a better drummer huh <laughs> <laughs> it's just such an ass to iggy pop throughout the whole thing yeah it's a good one well but it's funny and again i don't think i don't know if there's a question on the end of this but like it sounds like you know in like this movie you've described in the way you've described him in like interviews that like he really is playing a character to some extent throughout a lot of his you know performance aspect like even the things that are supposed to be real life are still like this performance aspect and that's just like i don't know you hear about like performers who like can't turn it off but like this just sounds like no i'm gonna i'm just gonna mess with everyone the whole time (laughs) yeah yeah there's a in his uh biography i read he did a a lot of collaborations with this other singer whose name escapes me ricky lee jones i think and she talks about it's like the real tom waits is just somebody who wants to you know take his kids to the little league game 
and like buy hot dogs. <laughs> and, uh, but that's not what you see when you watch him, which is, I think, is fun. It's, I think it's kind of cool to wrap yourself in a, a persona, especially if your work is so varied. So I, I have to ask, have you tried to like share this, like his music or his work with like anyone else? And like, how has that experience gone of like trying to like get someone else into his music so you can like share it? Uh, <laughs> well, um, my wife like straight up refuses to listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's a solitary uh, joy in in the car. Have you have you tried the baby yet though? Is the <laughs> no, that's true. Victory, my my do- uh, six month old in like two days. Uh, daughter, no, four days. And uh, no, I haven't really ex- uh, showed her. You know, um, <laughs> any of the good ones. <laughs> She's probably going to be a big Swordfish Trombones fan, or maybe a Blue Valentine, or a Small Change. <laughs> small Change is mostly about uh, crimes, so I'm sure she'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> One time, this is fun. I was used to work at a grocery store, and I'd use do like the night shift. So when we closed down, they'd put whatever music they wanted on the loudspeakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time, <laughs> one time, a friend of mine was in charge, and so he put on Tom Waits Station. And I was like, "Oh man, this is so good. I'm so glad that for like two songs, and then it just got into some weird ass folk <laughs> stuff." <laughs> like, let me try. Uh, yeah, it's it, it went to I saved his um, Pandora station to Dave Van Ronk, and I guess that uh, Lewis Lowell Ellis movie that came out with uh, like the the folk movie that was about him. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Inside Lowell, whatever. Uh, but he came yeah. out with a song. It was called uh, La Prabang. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun little thing. I've never heard this artist before. Goes into the lyrics, and it is about a man losing his testicles in a war. And, <laughs> and I'm like, maybe you should turn this off. It's a cool song and all, and I'm gonna remember it and like check out his work. But you should probably turn it off. Exactly what you want to hear in in the empty grocery store in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> yeah, the dangers of experimental folk uh, unleashed <laughs> upon the grocery store. Uh, other than that, like, yeah, some people. People know. So when I was coming on the show, I was like, what do I... I'm very vocal about stuff. I, I like like video games and movies. I'm like, well, I never fucking talk about Tom Waits. I love Tom Waits, but I never, ever talk about him, really. <laughs> and so there are friends of mine that know I'm a big fan. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me to listen to him. Yeah, yeah. He's an interesting guy. (laughs) I think, honestly, if I didn't discover him, like, when I was, uh, I guess, in a music desert, (laughs) then I don't know if I'd have fallen some hard for him. But, like, it was the right time. I was the right age. It really struck with me that like it was like this grit kind of like gritty boozy music of like jazz and folk mix that i was like this is what like adults are gonna do you know (laughs) i was right out of high school i'm like when i get older i'm gonna like pound alcohol at a bar and then walk home depressed it's gonna rule Yes, strangely enough, uh, I'm not living that Tom Waits life. I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> well, it sounds like Tom Waits isn't either, so I think yeah. you're good. <laughs> no, that's true. I guess that is true. Maybe at the time he was, but yeah. now, uh, now it's showing up in Netflix original movies. <laughs> There's something to be said about that music that like, just kind of, like like you said, the right time, the right age, the right music, and like yeah. that stuff sticks on you. And then like years later, you're like, someone's like, why do you like this? And I'm like, uh, hmm, I it's hmm, a really good question because I don't because it feels like it's been there for ages. Oh yeah, this was like like this was it, man. Like, there's other stuff now. Like I, you know, I have a whole CD book. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but um like oh yeah i I, by the way big physical media person i like i plug i you know i have an auxiliary cable in my car but that's about it (laughs) but yeah it was like perfect right when it hit and i honestly for a long time and i'm talking like two to three four maybe five years that was it like there was nothing else in the cd player it was a lot of and then eventually people were like maybe you should like Try some other music. Have you tried blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, what? Other music? What? Huh? There's still Tom Waits albums I don't own. What do you mean other music? Yeah, I feel like there was maybe an, an era there where um, it was easier to kind of be in, in a bubble, maybe with music, of like mm. listening to the same CD over and over again, than, than now when you have, you know, with digital music, there's so much access. And I mean, even that experience of being in a car with a friend and having this finite book of CDs that you right. had to select an album from and discovering music that way is very different than, you know, recommended section on Spotify. Like, there's not like a one is better than the other. It's just different, like coming out of that bubble. So I'm curious, uh, we've talked a little bit about some of the albums that you like the best, but do you have some songs that are your favorites that you revisit the most? Um, well, yes. They're all pretty much, I'm not gonna lie, it's a lot of Rain Dogs. Rain <laughs> Dogs was the second album I bought after, um, Heart of Saturday Night, and it shows. I really like Singapore, which is a song, of, like, about, uh, sailors going to Singapore and uh, and it like lists off all the dangers you have to watch out for while you're ashore. <laughs> and, like that's really really fun. I like a there's a song on Rain Dogs called Walking Spanish and it's written from the perspective of a prisoner watching a man uh walk to death row, like walk to the electric chair. And it has some really great long lines like there'll be laundry in the morning but he'll be long gone to hear the call. He's walking Spanish down the hall. Like that is so good. I was kind of surprised. Like his latest album is called Bad As Me. I mentioned it before. And he's got a song on there called Chicago and, and it is just like a freight train. It's the number it's the first song on the album and it just like wow wow gets right to it. He's written a few anti-war songs over the year, which is kind of surprising. He doesn't take much of a political stance, but he is very anti-war. Um one of those is Hell Broke Loose and Loose is spelled like short for Lucy, and I think that's the last one of his that actually got a video. A music video and uh surprisingly enough in punisher it shows up when punisher's like kicking ass and i'm like oh man yeah this show's pretty good already i can just tell it's so weird all it really takes is a tom waits song to show up and uh, i love it um another one is probably uh oh uh it's one of his um bastard ones and it's called what keeps mankind alive and it's so short but i freaking love it because it's just a song about how you need to feed people if you want to keep people from killing you. If you're a government. So that's fun. <laughs> um, oh, um, I really like November. It's just a simple song. Just November seems odd. I'm your firing squad, November. I love that one. Um, I Don't Want to Grow Up, I've mentioned before, but it is a classic of his. And uh, it's hard to just name him. Ah. <laughs> he does a really good... I don't even know what it's called. That's how bad of a fan I am. Uh, but he does a version of Old Anxiety. It starts off as a different song, and it's just about, like, him and his, like, buddies listing off what happened to all their old friends. Like, where's the you know, old gang ain't around? Everybody's left town, except for me and Drysdale, and they might not come down. And, like, it's this whole song about what happened to everyone, and you don't, and it's to all Lang Syne. You don't really realize it until the end when you realize they're at a party, but they don't know anybody except each other. And then it goes right into all Lang Syne. I love that fucking song. <laughs> name escapes me 
<laughs> well, I feel like I asked you this question in an unfair way, which is that, especially since you said that you're into physical media, I should have asked, do you normally listen to, like, I'm going to go to this individual song, or are you listening to them in the context of an album from beginning to end, which is a thing that people don't do often anymore, but it is, some of us do. That is exactly what it is. I, I have favorite albums, and it's like different genres i it's a mood thing it really is like it's gonna be hard saturday night if i'm down and i want to stay down but it's gonna be if i want to get weird it's gonna be freaking bone machine bone machines nuts <laughs> <laughs> i mean you could tell from the title bone machine gets a little weird <laughs> and um let's see what's on bone machine let's see the, uh the first song's called earth diet screaming uh yeah that's the other song that i am familiar with because it was in 12 monkeys on the soundtrack there you go yeah the other one from uh there's also going out i think going out west is on here yeah going out west which is on uh the fight club soundtrack so for bone machine you know it got a lot of it got a lot of uh i, I don't want to grow up on here originally too so it got a lot of um what's it called uh got a lot of work at the time in uh <laughs> in movies and tv and uh one of my favorite ones of his is come on up to the house which kind of sounds like a spiritual a little bit because it's very like life seems nasty horrible and short just come on up to the house come on up to the house you think it's like religious and then one of the lines is climb down off the cross we could use the wood come on up to the house and i'm like oh okay so it's a little little different yeah uh bone machine also has a great halloween song i love halloween music because i and love Halloween and it has a song called Murder in the Red Barn and it's such a good little like creeping song it's like there's always some killing that can be done around the farm <laughs> yeah but it's an album thing for me it really is and it's like sometimes I'll be like listening to one of his ones from the electric years of like um small change or foreign affair which is out of print well it was for a while so i'm really glad i have it and i'll be like no this isn't right no this isn't the one right now i'm gonna put in you know um the ballers cd or the brawlers cd or the beautiful maladies which is the collection of island years and i that's right i just remembered the first cd i heard in my friend's car was mule variations which was i believe in done in 1999 it was one of his later ones and that has some really beautiful songs but they're all very they have this kind of like the cover is a field of wheat and like him like walking through it and it's kind of this dry southern kind of farm songs except for like the first like the, the main one's called get behind the mule which is um some he took it from some interview about a jazz singer who like he struggled with addiction and it's they were interviewing his father and his father's like well the problem with him is in the morning he'd never just get behind the mule and plow and that's what that song is about just like get up and do your work and maybe it'll keep you from other vices then also there's a song on the album called eyeball kid which is about a boy who was born without a body just an eyeball and legs and now he wants to sing on stage <laughs> the duality of man it re- yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so it gets there and like i said that the the eyeball kid song i believe is song number 10 on the album so he really does save it for the uh the, the later in the middle of the album yeah yeah oh wow that's what they should have made the action figure of the eyeball oh the eyeball kid yeah yeah uh, the boy without a body proved everyone wrong that's like the last line of the song <laughs> I'm like at a loss. I, I think it's just so, it's so much. I'm so like thrilled with all of this. of just like. Yeah, it was, I, I was struggling with a subject and um, my wife was like, what about Tom Waits? I'm like, nobody wants to hear me talk about Tom. Like, well, that would be perfect for, because you never talk about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, exactly. I guess so. And I just like, just, it just hurled out of my mouth when I was on the, on the show. 
did I gush too much? No, no, you, no. You were no. Great. But uh, well, and it's and we we kind of touched on this a little bit, but now I guess it's sort of the hypothetical scenario of of a previous question I asked, which is like we we typically ask people like if you had to elevator pitch to someone, like this is why you should try this, this is why you should listen to this, like just give it a shot, you know, and and see what you think. Like, how would you do that? Like, pitch that to somebody. Um, I'd probably be pretty honest and just be like, you know, he's not for everyone, but if you do like him you'll love him and if you like some of his stuff you'll love other of his stuff and if you don't like some of his stuff don't worry there's completely different things to listen to and it's still really good yeah that's short and sweet and i like that like it's you might like it you might not but like, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. people do not like uh, his music so i don't want to lie right. but if you do like oh there's something here you're gonna find a lot more if you keep listening and maybe you're just a huge imaginarium of dr parnassus fan <laughs> or you're just like i need more of renfield from dracula like this is don't worry they got you it's there he was good in dracula i will give i will absolutely he was give pretty that. good uh one of my favorite uh, acting stories about him is in mystery men he uh, was having such trouble remembering his lines and you can see this while uh, you're watching the show he talks through his hands a lot like he brings him up to his face like he's like emoting so hard and his lines are written on his fingers oh my gosh <laughs> that's incredible do what you gotta do i guess <laughs> but if you want to if you want to watch a movie where he's actually like good i suggest down by law it's probably my favorite one of his films and do you have uh yes uh, although i'm a okay. little torn between two Ooh. so i'm not sure i'm i'm kind of trying to decide whether i can ask you both and have you pick um so i i usually spring a hypothetical question like the trap closing around the guest unfortunately at the very end here just when they oh, think God. they're free but i i do have two so i think the first question is if you had an opportunity to meet him and see him live, do you have a dream scenario? Like, what's the setting that you picture in your mind of of what that would be like, you know, to see him perform? And the other question is, if you were basically like Kojima and you had your Death Stranding moment and you could put Tom Waits, could cameo in whatever you wanted to, <laughs> do you have <laughs> something in mind that you think you would like him to cameo in? Let's go with the second one first, because the first one will probably be too terrifying to think about uh, the second one first i think he does a lot of like folksy mystery stuff and i don't know all i can think of it off the top of my head is like i would just love to see him somehow tackle like the headless horseman like like Ooh. ichabod him playing it oh, he's a little old maybe now to play like ichabod crane or something like that <laughs> i don't know or like if he was like a like some super oh, you know what it would be perfect like some guillermo del toro film mm. where he plays like a preacher or something oh, would yeah. be just like oh, mm, that's the good stuff right there yeah <laughs> yeah i love that yeah and then for the, the the other one would be honestly you would have to be something like i saw him outside and if he like if i was wearing a t-shirt with something on it that he liked and he's like oh hey love that and that would just be it and i'm like <laughs> oh thanks and like maybe a handshake it's like really your music means a lot to me like, hey, oh thank you and i hear that a lot but i still like it something like that i'd be like that's it that's all i need <laughs> if he if he saw me and was like hey i like something like you're wearing or that thing you said mm -hmm. and that just a little tiny just like eek of approval oh my god that'd be it. <laughs> that's all i need 
And that's probably all I could handle. <laughs> if he's like, oh, we're going to go to this party. I'm like, oh, it's cool, man. I'll see you later. Yeah. It's too much, but thank you. I am sad for you that you never encountered each other in the record store. I think that would have been perfect. I know, dude. I know. <laughs> now he, he lives somewhere up north and that's just not happening. <laughs> I'm not going to go up there and try to find his house. <laughs> it's not. I don't think his home is quite uh, the Graceland destination uh, for fans yet, but we'll see. <laughs> Well, Drew, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us yeah, in the time. Thank you. This was delightful. Thank you for letting me just spew all this stuff on, <laughs> on your show. Of course. Literally just freight train talking about a yes. uh, uh, single dude. <laughs> and we welcome it. That is this. All right. Woo! I hit it. Perfect. <laughs> Where can people find you online? Uh, what projects do you want to plug? Uh, this is your space to promote, so please feel free to use it. All right. You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Davenporter and I tweet any thought that comes across my brain constantly and if you really like uh, PS1 games or VHS collecting that you definitely follow me on there <laughs> um, and then for projects um, we're only nine episodes in but it's a good time to start and Anne was on our previous two episodes and uh, that's the Rules and Rolls podcast and uh, we we played Anne's game Mario is after you Lin-Manuel Miranda I believe the title is <laughs> it is yeah perfect and it was a hell of a time and we got some really good feedback for that episode by the way and yeah people okay like um we uh we try to do indie or one shot mostly indie rpgs and we play a session and then the next episode or whatever episodes it takes to do the session we talk about it we do a discussion and mostly almost entirely it's just us saying we like this game but uh <laughs> we do talk about the stuff that we liked and some stuff we would like to change and or not change but you know Constructive, constructive feedback constructive feedback but mostly it's just this game was good um <laughs> so it should be fun and i hope you uh listen and like it and if you don't like it you can also just tweet at me what you didn't like don't tell any of the other hosts but you can tell me <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of fun i almost got called out for lying about listening but i do actually listen <laughs> wait what <laughs> well chase chase challenged me on the show that that about whether or not i might potentially be lying <laughs> about having heard it before but i have it's a good show and people should listen well, now that you brought it up, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to test your bona fides. Uh, episode two, about two minutes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, you can always hit us up there or via our email, guiltytreasurescast at gmail.com, where you can send us an audio file of podcast facts over German screaming. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like the show, tell a friend. Or make your own elaborate instrument somehow involving your phone, this episode, and, you know, like some kind of amplifier, like put it in a dumpster, but make it very loud. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy.